Welcome to the Innovate and Create podcast, where our goal is to create a vibrant ecosystem of mentors willing to share stories so that we may all continue to grow, connect, and be inspired to continue growing, creating, and innovating. My name is Amanda Keeper, Professor of Speech and Leadership Development at Rock Valley College. I'm here today with Andrea Schultz-Winter, Development Director at Greater Freeport Partnership. Welcome back, Andrea. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. So we were together the first podcast. We sure were. Then we took a break. Yep. And now you're back. I am. So welcome back. Thank you. Fresh from South Dakota. (laughs) Yes. Fresh from South Dakota. You just had spring break, right? I did. Did the Badlands and Black Hills. Mm -hmm. Kids saw Mount Rushmore. It was great. Awesome. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. Hopefully you took their technology away. Tried to. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of windshield time, though. (laughs) Well, that male voice giggling in the back with us is Chris Wachowiak from Ronin Branding. Um, He is a friend of mine and someone I've looked up to as a mentor, actually, for quite some time. I think he's wicked smart, and I'm glad you're here today. Welcome, Chris. Thank you for having me. Yes, you're welcome. Snap a photo of you two right now. Oh, yay. (laughs) Look at those those mass smiles. All right. So we're going to get started. You have so much value to add. Every time I talk to you, I hang up thinking, uh, again, the words wicked smart come to mind. So for people (laughs) that don't know you, uh, have you always called Rockford home? Well, I mean, whether I was here or not, Rockford has definitely been my home. I did move away for a couple hours, making me what's called a boomerang. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, Rockford, if, you know, a lot of people like that live here like to beat it up, by all means. Mm-hmm. But if you really think about it, there are some great attributes to it. And you really are close proximity to just about anything you can want to do within an hour or two. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's whatever you make of it. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. We've had conversations about that in the past. So for our listeners that do not know how long you've been an entrepreneur and kind of how you got the the bug for creating and innovating spaces that you could be the boss of, <laughs> um, when did this kind of, when did you know that I want to be my own boss and this is probably something that uh, is going to be a best fit for me? Well, I think my neighbor who was actually a, was a teacher at Guilford. His name was Tony Isabelli, and he had a son that was about a year younger than me, or almost two years younger than me, Anthony Isabelli. And Anthony used to deliver the newspaper, and I used to deliver the newspaper, and I used to cut lawns, and, and Tony pulled me inside, and I'll never forget. He's like, Chris, you're doing this all wrong. Like, you just, you're smart. You talk to people. Go go get the lawns, and then hire my son and these other neighbor kids to go mow the yard <laughs> for you. I'm like... Okay. okay, he's like, yeah, he's like, you can make more money that way, and everybody, like, they don't want to go do that work, they don't mind doing the work, so you, you like figuring it out, so let's go figure it out, and mm-hmm. I, I started figuring it out at age 13. Wow, um, that's a great story. That is, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's so. inspiring right there. I, what can my And your buddy was just willing to be like, I'll mow the lawns, you get the jobs? Yeah, so I would charge between 15 and $20 for a typical lawn, and I'd pay them 10 or 15, mm-hmm. I'd take five bucks. Right. So I had, you know, right. you know, 10, 20 lawns, maybe use their own lawnmower and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, lined it up for them. And then as kids get a little bit older, you realize how unreliable they become and just want to play <laughs> and be kids. <laughs> sure, sure. So it didn't last forever, but, you know, then I started hustling, selling candy and stuff at school. <laughs> 
uh, <laughs> you know, just little things like that. And it wasn't just to make a buck. It was just to be that guy to take care, you know, problem solver, take care of kids. Mm-hmm. Just in a way that I knew how. Oh, you want to take care of kids with the candy? Yeah. Uh, not in like a panel van type way. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. So you, you kind of have this spirit from a child, childhood, and then you go to college. I know this because we were in a class together mm-hmm. at Northern Illinois University called Persuasion with yeah. Charlie Larson. Oh, yeah. And that's how I met you uh, year, years ago. Okay. Yeah. So, so tell us about that. What made you decide, you know, NIU? How did you? end up there you know it's funny the the thing that really changed my mindset to go focus on business was because of rock valley and mr bogart that was here and he used to start off every morning with a different anecdote a different story um, there was a couple that just really resonated with me and one was a story about you know you don't it's like one of those good stories we don't know the scenario of the timeline and, and the innovation and what the company was investing in. Mm-hmm. And they thought that, you know, people were going to like their product for a while and they doubled down on it. And this was, in, and it turned out to be the early 1900s and their company was Buggy Whips. Buggy and Whips. Buggy Whips, <laughs> right as the Model T was rolling out. Oh, okay. And they thought that, that they, people were always going to ride their horse. And it's just like, you just never, you know, never know. Um, those little ideas like, then you talk about the difference between uh, Pepsi and Coke or Walmart and Target. What's the difference? And I'm going to ask you, what's the difference between Walmart and t- Target? I would say the marketing. For well, the sure. product. I don't know, the product, too. Yeah. I, I feel like the value of the products that I get at Target are a little bit more... Designed? Designed, yes. Or There's design. a different aesthetic? Yes. Yeah. Well, well said from our design person. Yes, yeah. yes. But really, the product's absolutely nothing different. Different colors. I mean, your Procter and Gamble uh, own eighty percent of your laundry detergents on, out there, mm. and then the other of that twenty percent, eighty percent of them they manufacture for the off-brand's private label. So it's the same thing you're getting essentially, just a different color and fragrance and shape to inspire your you know, purchasing decisions and your brand loyalty. It's really all perception, and that's what marketing and business all boils down to. And then the kicker was, in business then, how much better do you need to be than the next person? Mm. Mm. Interesting. Well, what's, when what's, you, what's the when gap? You, well, well, when you say better, I mean, that's a very... Or differentiate, even. Or differentiate, right, because right, you talk about um, the nuances. I mean, it's all Correct. basically the same... Um, laundry detergent, right? Mm-hmm. But because of the color or the smell or the packaging or how they've kind of connected with the consumer via marketing, might not actually get stains out any better, but Correct. I feel like I'm connected to it because they're talking to me. So I'm thinking that it doesn't really have to be any better. Well, yeah, it just needs a little bit, like that much, a little, just a little sliver of differentiation like you point your finger at and like, that's what I like it more. I like the, it's a brighter, I feel. Mm-hmm. And you talk about feelings, man. That's it right there. If you can create a, rea- a an emotional reaction to something, mm-hmm. you've done it splendidly. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what good marketing and branding positioning should do is evoke emotion. Let's go right into that then. Um, we don't need to dabble into your past anymore because you have too much value <laughs> with your current <laughs> company right now. Um, so you started Ronan Branding. Uh, you had Kryptonite for Correct. years. Yeah. So your first company was that kryptonite i mean besides for yeah the- that was my first uh 
Subchapter S Corporation is mm-hmm. still in, intact to this day. Mm-hmm. So I've had that corporation. I actually incorporated September 11th, 2000. Mm-hmm. So, and then September 11th, 2001, right. uh, that happened, and we literally opened the doors to Kryptonite two weeks later. But I still operate Ronin as a DBA of Kryptonite LTD 21 years later. So some of our listeners will be student listeners. Mm-hmm. Can you define those acronyms for us? DBA and... Yeah, doing business as. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you're, you know, everybody hears about LLCs, sole proprietorships, um, corporation partnerships, the, the advice I give, and it depends on your region. So for like Illinois, Wisconsin, unless you're going to have a lot of potential investors or, you know, stock ownership, I mean, mm-hmm. it's going to cost you $400 less a year to do a subchapter S and gives you about 99% of all the protection an LLC will do. Um, sole proprietorship, I, I mean, do your research, talk to your accountants, talk to your lawyers, but it really offers you no advantages mm-hmm. that I can point to as far as protection from your uh, assets to you know your exposure to being sued, things like that, uh, pricing, buyer licenses, all those things you need to be a business. And then uh, partnerships, uh, just think of how long until you sink a ship. I mean, partnerships, you know, the best advice is this is something I was given by a, a friend, and I think you know him, an account, or not account, a lawyer, uh, Michael Sugar. And we were talking about, you know, breaking off Screw City from Kryptonite and, and divesting it into you know, giving Aaron Slager, my partner, and its ownership, Zach Rotella and Anthony Artali. And we went for this meeting, and Mike's first question was, uh, so how does this break up? How does this end? I'm like, well, we're talking about forming a corporation. He goes, yep, how does it end? We'll start there because life happens. This is what lawyers get paid to do is, you know, people think about this going in, and, you know, you get mm-hmm. kids, mm-hmm. you know, get married, get divorced, uh, you know, Health you insurance. find religion, you find this, right. and you mm-hmm. find new interests, and everybody wants out, or somebody wants out, or, you know, so how's it go? And it completely flipped my perspective on not just how to structure a business, but also it paralleled a lot of things with I do with advertising and marketing is like, okay, you know, I talk to clients all the time. Uh, how does this end? How does the, how does your yes tell that story and what story are they telling the minute they're done uh, a week after they're done a month after they're done a year after they're done what is that experience and how do they what's their body language like how are they telling it are they telling it with excitement are they telling it with frustration um, what emotions are you evoking and that's that's how I start everything emotions are critical mm-hmm. um, and one of so, obviously, let's just dive in right this marketing branding because um, the lines are down right now between marketing, sales, branding. It's all the same thing. However, the way people do it is where I get very controversial in, and uh, I don't believe in social media uh, SEO optimization for doing real work. I mean, yes, there's value to it, and yes, I know how to do it, and I've seen I've seen it work. Um, but the thing I got a lot of attention for was, God, right when I started my about two years ago, I was 
at a crossroads where I had a client I got referred to wanted to hire me and do their SEO optimization for Google because they're they're wasting about 15 to 20 grand a month on it. And, uh, you know, I've, I've seen these companies out there. I know how they run their algorithms. I understand how they do their positioning because what, what SEO should mean is seek emotions out or seek experiences out. If you can optimize those, you can optimize brand loyalty and clients and customers and mostly a community. Community is key to, I think, a successful anything. Okay, so I'm a very much an example person. Give me some examples where you have seen this just really fly fast and very, very quickly. All right, so regional, uh, local, or national? Let's start with local. Local, um, red, mm. red clothing. You know, uh, they're to, they should be considered a competitor of mine. You know, because they charge way too much for a T-shirt that you you know costs them four dollars and sell it to you for thirty. However, the reason they're able to sell it to you for thirty dollars is because they've identified with the Rockford community. They are your symbol for community. They are the outliers. They are they have the tattoos up and down the sleeves. Uh, Jared's got a better beard than I do right now. <laughs> um, you know, he's got that, he's got that look and feel like he gets me, he understands. And, you know, his staff are, uh, rude people that you want to be treated rude by because they get it, man. We're, we're against the system. Like ugh, we're frustrated too. That's mm-hmm. why and we're, that's why we're here. We're frustrated with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's funny to me that, that it's the culture community that they mirror and yet give a way for others to mirror. Does that make sense? Like we see you, we hear you and we have a shirt for you. Right. Here are the outcasts and we identify ourselves because we are not part of the other collective, but yet by not identifying with them, we have essentially identified with each other and created our own collective and community here. Yeah, and we're we're proud, you know, Rafa proud the eight one five. I mean, it's simple. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that's that's beautiful about good advertising, good branding is they just took a super simple idea and executed it, and executed it flawlessly. Something that you told me a long time ago when we reconnected, I, we had lunch. You were working for a client um, bath of body fusion. Yeah. Uh, and we had some coffee at Wired, I think, for ended up talking a couple hours, and that kind of reconnected us a couple years ago. And one thing that you said to me, I have never forgotten, and I know it's kind of what you say all the time, but the obstacle is the opportunity. Oh, yeah. And so take that, the obstacle is the opportunity. Take that and give me some examples of current clients you're working with, and how have you um, been able to apply that philosophy? Here's the funny thing, like it's become so habitual to me that I can't even, I can't even take a second to process a problem and see it as a problem anymore. Mm. Because when people say like, oh, this is happening, it's like, oh, so it means we can do this. Um, and like, what do you mean? Like, what? So like when you say, where's the problem at? Where's the sticking point? Like, <sighs> here's the best thing I can tell you. Um, My own personal example happened to me yesterday. Okay. And I'm on the phone with 
my biggest client and this person I just love. I mean, she is just amazing. She's from, she's from Alabama, and she's got her southern accent and just that draw, and I love it. And it's, <laughs> I mean, seriously, we it, we've become like best friends since last literally last year this time. Mm-hmm. Like I just I just love the heck out of uh, her and her personality and what all she embodies. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been doing a lot of their promotional products for them and a lot of their marketing just because. I, we call it problem solving, and my fancy term on it to help them explain to other people is I call myself a branding concierge. If you think of concierge as you tell me what you you know you want right. to go see, get done, get the best seats at. Highly specialized. Yeah, one phone call, it's all done and problems are solved. Right. That's what I do for them, and I've I literally literally grown the amount of business with them a hundred times since last you know last. March, April. Can you share the product? I, I mean, it's... Is it it's No, it's, it's everything. It's what people call tchotchke stuff, the cheap plastic shit. Um, the CPS is our, our acronym for it. CPS is cheap plastic shit, um, <laughs> which I hated selling. I had a com- completely huge ego about, like, I like solving problems. I'm not going to sell you this cheap crap. Well, it turns out sometimes people just want that cheap crap. Their, ba- their bosses demand it. So okay. if you're not going to sell it to them, they have to go buy it from somewhere else. And mm-hmm. it's like, no, I... I'm your branding concierge. I take care of your problem. So I'll do that for you. If you're going to buy the cheap stuff, here's the best stuff you can buy mm-hmm. for your product. Uh, I also make it very clear that I am definitely not the cheapest person out there. However, I am the best return on your investment. And that's and your time's worth money, uh, the quality, what you're going to have to you know, either use or throw in the landfill, and then what effect does it have. These mm-hmm. are things that will make you think about. Um, and then until, until I train you become that becomes default already variables that you don't have to consider anymore. Mm-hmm. So the problem I ran into yesterday was I was supposed to have a call with their head of marketing. Now this company is a big national company and they have multiple industries or companies underneath of it and under their umbrella. Um, I represent 14 of their branches and the talk is now to how I'm going to handle 110 of their offices. And I said, that's a problem I love to figure out. Right. <laughs> right. What a great opportunity. Yeah. 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 There's, it's, I guess the embodiment of that, um, I think it's a Chinese proverb that the journey is the destination. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the process. It's, I, in fact, I just left my, uh, a new doctor, uh, visit today and we're talking about things that, um, no, I, uh, you can't see me on this on this camera or this podcast, obviously, but I'm a few pounds and a few inches bigger than I want to be. And I'm 45 years old. Um, when this airs, I might be 50. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but No guarantees. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my lack of love of push-ups shows quite dramatically, and uh, I don't want to have to invest in a, uh, what do they call it, the man's ear? <laughs> Uh, so for the brazier for yeah. the man, the yeah. bro, the man's the, the ear, man bro. yeah, or the wait, whatever they, yeah, it was always I, the big debate, like what the do they man, call the it, man the bra. man's ear, the man's ear. There's some Seinfeld. There's okay. a lot of great Seinfeld thoughts. <laughs> and uh, you know, real quick, remember the Charlie, the Charlie story from uh, good old Charlie story from Persuasion about manhose. No, tell me. You don't remember that? Oh, yeah. That's that's one of those stories that I just (laughs) never forgot. Good old Charlie Larson is telling us a story because he did a lot of working with product development and marketing. Mm -hmm. Okay. His whole class was persuasion, which is, that is marketing. So the story is that 
the best under, you know, long johns for heat, warmth, water, uh, moisture wickening and all that. Right. There's not a superior product, at least at that time, to pantyhose. However, no man going hunting is ever going to go grab a pantyhose. Right. <laughs> so how do they reposition that name? And they thought calling a man hose would do it. <laughs> of course it didn't. And it became like, uh, you know, a dirty little secret. Like, huh? I'm wearing pantyhose underneath my outfit today camping. I think it's Under Armour now. <laughs> I know. I was like... So, you know, the story on Under Armour, actually, that wasn't even the name. Okay. So the, he he was, uh, it was called um, Body Armor or something like that. And he was at a family dinner uh, talking about it. And his, I think it was his cousin or brother-in-law that asked him, hey, so what's going on with that Under Armour company of yours? Mm. And he's like, oh, it's body arm but under armor is even better and that's literally how the name came up because his brother couldn't remember the name disassociated and reassociated with something mm-hmm. oh it's under it's under you know on their clothing so therefore and the way he marketed it was brilliant he went, at that time no one went over the uh, the next athletes no one was advertising to colleges yet mm-hmm. everybody in nike uh it was focused 100 percent on your pro level not getting them where they're cheap and no one's giving attention um, to now, I mean, look, everybody's throwing money at that at mm-hmm. them and high schools. So brand loyalty is actually developed around. Uh, yeah, I got a twelve-year-old wearing the stuff. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I know you love to learn. You mm-hmm. are crazy curious, and I think that's one of your best attributes: is that you're always learning, you're always seeking new information. You go to your vendor events, you go to your trade shows. Yeah. I know you've been to Vegas. Yeah. Uh, what What are you seeing that's changing in marketing and branding? Um, the biggest thing, and it's the same thing with my own client, the biggest thing is distance is no longer a barrier. Mm-hmm. So we do these meetups, like last year, um, it was around this time too, around April, our our industry has a software program called Common Skew. And Common Skew is I the best way to explain it is like the Apple in the industry. They talk about how we our community comes together to collaborate. We're outliers, we're the people looking for the purpose more than the product. Mm, okay. And that puts a group of like minded people together and where most people would be seen as competitors are now seen as, hey, how are you doing that? And how do you do this? And what are your thoughts on that? And it becomes now a real collaboration because mm-hmm. the industry really was built upon uh, bullshit. I mean, it was just, we threw a logo on your piece and you know charged you a 50% or people would say 100% margin on and added no real value or consideration to it. Um, and because we got special pricing, we knew the sourcing of it. And when anybody can start sourcing that stuff, and there's always been these big fights out there of selling direct to the consumer, direct clients, uh, you're taking our margins. It's like, no, you're not providing value to your customer. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's the big difference. So they hosted what would have been our travel, and maybe 100 people would be able to attend and you know, get to talk and react and act with each other for two, maybe three days. 
they turned into a four-hour line event and allowed us they did this platform using hopped in which the first time i ever saw or heard of it and it it worked like a digital event where you actually have have multiple stages Mm, you know different classrooms you can go into and then the best thing that completely threw me for a loop was what they called it their um, speed dating basically every three minutes you randomly got selected to talk with somebody else and i got to talk with people in india uh new zealand australia and a lot of canada a lot of canadians love to sell promo yeah that and is a brilliant idea yeah no that's a really cool idea speaking of the idea that i know you've been talking to spitty tata about um that that might even be something that you could do at that event oh trust event. me it's already oh okay well yeah. see yeah, i'm behind <laughs> Uh, there's there's some talk about having a huge innovator like a sp- speed dating uh, type of well it's like an innovator conference oh uh, yeah, innovator, yeah, yeah. In, innovator expo and I, I know Chris has been talking with Spitty Tata about that and more information will be coming out about that but you mentioned events and yeah. that reminded me that you have one of the biggest events in the city and you mentioned it earlier and it's Screw City Beer Fest okay. So how do you create emotion around the Screw City Beer Fest event? Well, so the best way I can, I think, describe this is I've actually created another beer event as well, which is the Brews on First. The Brews on First will be uh, May 15th. Hopefully this airs before that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So that shameless plug is worth something. No. Uh, We'll work some magic. Yeah, but it, it's Screw City when we, and I say we because, you know, at that time when we first started it, I did the green light events, the green light nights, and um, I quickly learned, and I knew going into it, I mean, the variables of how, how fast you lose money depending on weather, you right, know, booking right. bands at the time was my thing, um, the stage costs, the production costs. It's just astronomical, even if you're, you know, as frugal as me. And then how do you manage the variables with weather and and things like that? And, of course, our first green light, we did have, like, a monsoon hit us. Uh, At one point of it, the rain came in sideways, and we had to shut down the stage and bring everybody inside. And I lost, I would have lost 10 grand. I ended up losing only 2 grand just because I was able to predict variables within 48 hours and create a, if this and that plan. Mm-hmm. However, with the beer festival, um, at that time, with I had like a little group of other outliers. We we're always talking about festivals, and Justin Mills, uh, who does a lot of events or did a lot of events, uh, always wanted let's do a beer fest. I'm like, ah, it's got to be the. I just knew from we did a lot of craft beer. It mm-hmm. had to be very niche, and it couldn't just be to grab you know try and grab money and get rich. Like that's what it can't be because that's what everyone does. Like we have to do it right. And then Aaron Slager was working with me over at Kryptonite. Uh, and just for the record, I found Aaron before Anthony or Italia ever knew about him. <laughs> and I really pushed Anthony to hire him. Uh, but in, in all fairness, Greg Mawson was one of my reps, and Greg was one told me about Aaron. That's the only reason I found him. And Aaron at the time was 21. He was the youngest Cicerone to ever be. And the Cicerone at that time wasn't a known thing as it is now. This is almost like a sommelier for wine, but for beer. Got it. And and it, when he was doing it, he's now like higher levels, but you know he is by all means like we call him the Rain Man of beers, even though he doesn't like that nickname because he's just wicked smart. I mean, <laughs> he is he is beyond brilliant mm-hmm. um, on multiple levels. I mean, just a brilliant guy. But the other amazing thing about Aaron is 
the morality and authenticity that he lives and embodies and will never compromise on to this day, you know, almost 15 years later. I mean, he's, he's just a rare breed of excellence. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and the driest sense of humor, which <laughs> the only person to this day can, are you serious or pulling my, are you, did, nice. I, did, I, did I do something wrong? It's like, no, I'm so messing with you. Like, dude, like I, I've known you for 15 years. How do you every, every time still get me? It's like, um, but he being his background, passionate in our philosophy, you know, shared philosophy of, uh, and being authentic and authority, do it right, and then pay for stuff because everyone wants free stuff. Like, no, you're, we want to pay you. And that was a big difference at that time. Yeah. Like, we believe, and it's something we've talked mm-hmm. about. I believe there's got to be an exchange of a give to get. And there's got to be a valuation exchange. It doesn't always have to be money, but there has got to be something that is acknowledged in that transaction of doing. Um, and in youth, we used to call it the bro, the bro deal hookup. You know, I'll take care of your brother. You take care of me. You know, like, we, that's what it was. And then you quickly learn, like, no, man, like, charge me what you want to get paid and you're not going to complain about later is my bro deal <laughs> right. hookup. That's my bro deal hookup yeah. now. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, because if you're wanting somebody to take value away from what you're doing in the event, you have to then, the people you're working with, right, you're saying, I... I understand what you're giving to me, but I'm it's a value, right? I'm going to pay oh. you. I'm going to compensate you for mm-hmm. time, energy, material, whatever it is. You're spot on. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sidetrack to that specific thing right there. I call that my litmus test. Everything we do has a litmus test. Screw City has a litmus, litmus test. My branding and what I do for work has a litmus test, and that is what value can I add to this project? If I can't add value, then I shouldn't be doing it. So have you turned things down because you felt like you couldn't add value? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Lots of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to back up and ask you a question. I'm kind of jumping around. But I want to, like, is there anything else you want to talk about with Screw City? Cause I- oh, I mean, so the, the basis is that was to be, I, I call it, and I say I use the, the bruise on first because with Chad Bauer is like, oh, it's going to be like Screw City. I'm like, absolutely not. can't be like Screw City because Screw City is for, the beer snobs or the the ones that want to be in the know and be around the people in the know and not be bombarded by those general people that just heard it was cool so they got to see what it is like Mm -hmm. no man if you don't know you got to fight to be there and you want to go to you have to you have to make a lot of hustle to get to it the bruise on first now is a complete different left turn with the idea of let's go have fun because we're going to a ballpark so let's let's take on that spirit of the ballpark and encompass that now and the beer is honestly secondary got it so the feeling going back to screw city is one of elitism well i think it's it's people who who understand the value of a really good craft beer it's and they're gonna yes yes i'd say in the beginning but now it's more of i know i'm gonna get really good craft beer i know i'm gonna be around like-minded people and just be able to try new things in a safe place where I don't have to worry about bumping into every Tom, Dick, and Harry. Uh, But you're going to see people that you're going to like and you're going to meet new like-minded friends. Like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the reason we keep it so small is because it's not meant to be for everyone. So you limit that just by the number of tickets you sell. Correct. Okay. Okay. 
Okay. We, everybody asks you, oh, want you to make it bigger next year? No. no. <laughs> right. Well, I, you could. Like, because it's not a money grab. It's, mm-hmm. it's an experience grab. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So that in of itself, it's a, a networking event of a sense. I mean, that's not what it's yeah. built as, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm, of course, there's, you can argue there's, argue there's networking there. But I don't get to network with anybody really there. However, was it, God, I did another event uh, similar to it called February at the um, uh, Burpee Museum. Okay. And one of the feedback things I got was from a vendor, from my rep, saying, well, I never came and said thank you for being there. And I was like, holy shit, I didn't. I didn't. He's right. So from that moment forward, in any event I've done, I make a, I make a huge effort to go around and shake, introduce myself, and uh, say hello and hum, let them know. Like I make sure I look them in the eye, no matter how busy they are, and say, hey, I, I just want to let you know who I am. And I'm sorry to interrupt you because you're busy, but I'm Chris. I'm, I do this event. My partner's Aaron Slager. How grateful I am that you took the time to come here. And, you know, be part of his experience. So thank you. And then, you know, I give them now, so I sell stuff. I give them, like, trinkets and things mm-hmm. like that, just, sure. like, little things to take home. Because the promotional product to me is it's the only thing that you can physically have, touch, feel years later and can bring you that. back like that. Exactly. And you have posted recently some of those items on your social media. Yeah. Can you tell us about some of the most memorable well, the one that you're talking about most recently is the the pint glass. We talk about the op- obstacles, the opportunity. So the pint glass and bar owners are some of the most uh, conscious of their coin, you know, penny pinching. <laughs> uh, you know, customers are stealing my pint glasses because they have, you know, beer logos on them. I, remember, I used to take them. I, right. you know, I remember going to Chicago, stealing the bass and the <laughs> harp ones. Um, Chris believes in radical transparency. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not missing the filter between here and here. Ray Dalio uh, gave me that that term. So the uh, the obstacle was, and we were, we were in an ILBA meeting. Everybody's talking about, you know, I'm going through so much glassware. People are stealing these, and I don't want to buy these anymore. It's like, and then Rick LaMonica over at LaMonica Beverages said, well, I got a deal right now with these Red Hook classes because I can't get rid of them. So we're we're going to co-brand them. We'll have the Red Hook label on one side and your logo on the other. It's going to cost you 97 cents a piece. And I'm like, all right. Well, I know everyone steals them. So I said, I can put anything on there. He goes, yeah. It's got to have your logo. I said, I put something on there. He said, yeah. He goes, so I gave him the design. I said, Kryptonite insisted I took this. <laughs> and, That's awesome. Um, we, with that, we put at the time, it was MySpace. We had MySpace and our website on there. Uh so in 97 cents, uh, we ended up going through just under like 1,500 glasses in like three months. So $1,500 is basically what I spent in advertising. Right. And so you invited people to steal Please take it home. Well, the I, gift. I celebrated it because what is the, what's the obstacle? Everybody's right? like, you know, I got this glass, I got that glass. But now you have one saying, no, 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 I didn't steal it. They insisted I took it. Where? Like, Where did you get that? Like, kryptonite. You need to well, check it out. Kryptonite said on there way bigger than I insisted I took this. Uh-huh, I mean, uh-huh. so, I mean, I've even learned now that the message in the community is more important than the brand. So I w- if I were to do that today, I would make that the more focal point and make my brand secondary. Mm-hmm, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that did capture a whole community and 
the reason I posted that is because I actually just did um, a presentation uh, with the SBDC uh, because of Vincerelli. Uh, we Small did Small business development. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was on branding. And I said, you know, I'm going to just give you a living example of this. When we get done, I'm going to post a picture of this glass I was explaining to them. And then um, you'll see, you'll get like 50 comments. And if you look now, it's over 50 comments. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just know that's what, that's what social media should do is like it shows your badge of interest and what you're self-absorbed about. Mm. Okay. Because I think you're going to influence somebody else about telling your story is completely wrong of what marketing is because you got to give them a way to tell their story. Because mm. mm. go back to Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People, Chapter 1. What is it? What's the main message out of Chapter 1? It is everybody's favorite conversation is themselves. Completely. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That is Marketing 101. You see how one yeah. little sentence he can yeah, say? Yeah, absolutely. So say that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody's favorite conversation piece and topic is themselves. No, I'm sorry. Back up and say that marketing is a vehicle for people to talk about themselves. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, right. okay. Right. Give people a platform. And that's what social media is. It gives you a platform to humble brag. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or um, just share whatever you want. You get diarrhea of the mouth, and a lot of people do on social media. Mm -hmm. It is a way for you to be heard or to let something off your chest. Yes. And the, the nice thing is, and the worst thing is the same, that it allows you to be a, a faceless person uh, if need be. Um, mm -hmm. It allows you to be immature when you wanna be and create a fake account and spread hate mm -hmm. uh, because you are hurt and right. you wanna hurt somebody else. Mm -hmm. Or you've got helped and you want to share like how this helped me and you want to help the next person. You can pay it forward or, you know, hurt it forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but so. it allows you to give the emotion that you want to see recreated out there. It all boils down to you. I love that. So can you help? I, I go back to our first conversation. It's called Bath and Body Fusion, yeah. is that what it is? Yeah, Bath and Body Fusion. Bath and Body Fusion. You helped them uh, build their business. Well, is honestly, I, I don't know if I, I mean, I like to think I helped, mm -hmm. but I that I came in more as a consultant and in, told her in theory, because I've worked with a lot of consultants at the time, and I, I said, Warren, the number one thing and the number one scam about consultants is and the reason you'll never get a refund is they will give you whatever their their patent pending steps of three, five, eleven success steps you need to do measurements and uh, analytics and things to follow. That if you do not ingrain it into your habits and applications, then it will fail. It, it will absolutely fail. Mm -hmm. okay. And the problem is um, telling people to do things differently is not how we do it and we want to do it how we know it, even though we say we want to grow. Um, but how many people here have a gym membership? Not anymore. I learned my lesson. <laughs> All right. You have a gym membership? I've been a peak, uh, loyal peak member, even though I was in California for two years, for over 20 years. Right. I have never. Right. But it, it, going to uh, the gym and having a gym membership are two different things. Yes. Yep. Yes. There's no sure. different than a consultant. Right. You know. Right. The reason I, I was... Uh, 
kind of triggered to ask you that follow-up question is because I remember that when you were helping her, one of the things that you did is you helped create the stories. Mm -hmm. And they came out with a product that was is remarkable. Yeah. yeah. Remarkable. And so you helped people using the product yeah. start telling the stories about how they had these horrible skin disorders, many of them. I even uh, remember I was going through something. I had uh, pityriasis rosea. Yeah. And I went down there because I knew Chris worked with her and started using this cream. And literally... So um, people started to feel comfortable to tell, tell about what right. this well, product helped them. And the them. thing that we made sure that we communicated to them is like, you're not alone. Exactly. Right. So there's a not, community yeah. of people who were going through all of this at the same time. The skin time. conditions can be very embarrassing. Sure. Oh, yeah. and they're so apparent. public. Right. They're so apparent and they're so public. And I think it took the shame away from from having those conversations in public. I was just going to say it's often yeah. a shame trigger when right. it's something that's completely beyond your control, but right. everyone feels like, well, mm -hmm. I don't know, wash your face more or whatever yeah. it is. You know, yeah. you should be able to fix this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Here's the way I like to dilute that idea is the same thing I tell my kids. There is, the only thing about normal is no one is like the next person. The idea of normal is we are all imperfect. Mm -hmm. And instead of being ashamed of our imperfections, if we can just acknowledge, and what, a lot of times those imperfections are also our greatest strengths. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's how we become us. Mm -hmm. It's not something to be, you know, looked at as weird or different or shame, be shameful of just because, you know, a lot of people don't know how to handle their own shame so therefore they point other people's sure. shame yes. and want to pass and it's that idea of passing on hate and passing on help again right. so that's what we approached that idea with was like you're not alone it's okay and let's just kind of celebrate that you were able to find help and relief because it's not so many people like openly talking about exactly so yeah. but yet like i think it's one in five people have some type of skin ailment mm -hmm. so it's mm -hmm. that's a majority thing in my book right, right. Right. Um, let's talk about how they can help. Right. And man, there was lots of stories. So, I mean, Jen created a, a product and Jen is one of those people, there is, she is definitely radically transparent to, um, you know, you call it a blessing, a curse, either way, it can go either way. Cause she has a lot of life mm -hmm. being thrown at her every single day. And, um, she truly wants to help. And she truly cares about what she's doing. So that passion alone is the best chance of dictating her success versus me telling her what to do. Mm -hmm. All I had to do is kind of help say, here's how you find your voice. And she's doing it way better than doing it with me. You know, that's what I think if you're going to help somebody help if you consult, teach. And this is something I've learned, too, is like, you need, if you're really going to be a teacher, a consultant, or a mentor, don't teach them how to do it, how you did it. Let them know how you did it, but now how do you apply it to how you want to work and how you can right. grow? And now she's sold in Walmarts, that product. Oh, and wow. Yeah, so that's called cool. Dream Cream. And that's the only one we actually rebranded and relabeled because the... The old logo, um, and I ripped all her vinyl off from walls, and my buddy Mike Solon created it, and he was so happy about it. He's like, oh, it's great street. You're taking all my artwork off. You know, rip this off. I'm like, dude, that was great 10 years ago. It's mm -hmm. Who they want to be now is you got to be simple, concise, and easily identifiable on a, sh you know, a sea of likeness. Right. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you have to be 
similar yet different in how you're going to be caught from that you know 10 feet away that you recognize that label mm -hmm. it's called and dream cream okay it is called dream cream and they have mm -hmm. their nice b f plus s you know f bat, you know, bat body. body yeah pbf yeah so wow. you, you, I've been wanting to weave this into the podcast because I think this is a really important part about people should know about working with you. I use the word radical transparency because that's how you describe yourself. Mm -hmm. Tell us about your gifts of imperfection and how, <laughs> and how you have turned them into a way to um, find more peace in your life. Well, the best thing I can recommend anyone is, uh, you know, get a spouse and they will quickly identify all your <laughs> all your shortcomings. Oh, don't don't tell my husband that. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. And then the question is: Is it a, the thing you have to ask yourself? Is it something you can improve, or something that makes you who you are? You are so spot on. You know. Yeah. And and that yeah. honestly, I mean that we laugh and we joke, but ask yourself: When did you have the the maturity or the mental capacity to really step outside yourself and look at yourself yeah. and then ask how, how is it and what is you're doing how does it affect those that are around you mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. because we don't no we're not self-aware right well and you'll never see it from that person's perspective right you'll only you can try to empathize but you'll really only ever see it through your lens mm -hmm. yeah because like when i did first open up kryptonite uh you know, I was concerned with working out, and I i was 25, man. I knew everything. I was the coolest thing ever. Um, <laughs> no, but the reason I ask that is because I do think it's quite remarkable that you are in a business that has to deeply understand human emotion, but yet I consider you one of the most logical, brilliant, problem-solving, engineering-type brains I've ever met. And so you're in an industry that isn't your natural gut instinct or maybe you've had to learn that gut instinct i don't know or am i making an assumption well i, I think it goes back to that idea of i've literally literally reprogrammed the way i think there you go yeah um with a lot of conscious effort mm -hmm. to and this is, it goes back to what i was telling the doctor i'm happiest in the discomfort mm -hmm. like that's so is there a continual pursuit of discomfort it's a, it's continual pursuit of what it, do I find either difficult, challenging, or I don't understand, so therefore I must give it some attention. Um, and the biggest thing in, in the podcast I, I don't put out anymore that I need to, I have episodes literally sitting there, so I'm no better than the idea of this, is the um, you assume. The assumption to me is the the biggest and worst thing that you can do to any friendship mm. or marriage any or, or any relationship partnership child. And yeah, child. any relationship is yeah. you can have an assumption and not ever ask it versus assuming mm -hmm. because what can be perceived as a you know that challenging or you know they're going to upset their feelings it is way more important to upset someone's feelings for five minutes than it is five years later and right. lose that friendship because you just never bothered to ask mm -hmm. or just I didn't want to have a difficult conversation because I assumed you'd be upset at me. It's mm -hmm. super tricky because you can build a complete narrative on that assumption and it's dangerous. Oh yeah. 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 yeah it, you're totally right. Yeah. Brene Brown calls it a shitty first draft. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> that that you know, we, that amen. We, yeah. yeah. You know, and then some. I think yeah. I told you about that. Um, the Brene Brown thing. I, we, so I, my wife and I have gone to couples counseling because I, you know, I am logical. I'm not, I'm perceived as not emotional. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I honestly didn't know what empathy was before Brene Brown. Like mm-hmm. I didn't, I, I really didn't have a clue. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And the worst part is I thought I did. Right. That's worse. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, so how do you define empathy now? Just because you haven't experienced it doesn't mean you you can't appreciate the struggle or the I mean empathy really goes more with struggle. It goes more with the situation of trouble and how do we deal with it and the feelings you're going through. Um, and the thing that people need to remember and be pointed out all the time is, and I hope I articulate this correctly, the most difficult thing that happened to you is the most difficult thing that's happened to you. Right. And that is different than the most difficult thing that's ever happened to you. Right. It's the most difficult thing that's ever happened to me. And uh, we talk about, you know, the obstacles, the opportunity in a philosophical way is, I call it the law of polar opposites. It, for every good, there's a bad. You can't have an up without a down, a left without a right, a front without a back. You can't have one without the other. So if a good and bad exists at the exact same time, energy flows where tension goes. So where are you focusing that energy? And where is that light? And a light and energy is like a flashlight. Think about mm-hmm. that way. So if you have these things on, on the pole, so which area are you choosing to look at? Well, the bad, I know it's bad, but I know there's good. So I'm a, I want to do this good. That's what I'm focused on. But the bad's right there. Yeah, man, I know the bad's there, but let's focus on that. And that's how people get in these downward spirals because they keep feeding that. And it's you have proverbs going through all about time. You hear about the, the, the evil wolf or the good wolf and which one lives. You have enough food to feed one. Mm-hmm. The one that lives is the one you feed. Right. You know, mm-hmm. you go through right. that. And it's, mm-hmm. that's really what marketing, branding, and life are symbiotic. You they exist within each other and you can't really separate them if you're doing life right because you live it, breathe it, and act it. So it all comes back to this question. I think you, you whether you, you've used the word and authenticity, right? And I'm, oh, yeah. I'm just, when you're working with a client, do you often find that you have to help them discover their authenticity? Well, the nice thing is that when, especially in small groups, I mean, people naturally mirror. I mean, look at you two sitting right now. You guys, your body language is exactly the same. The way you guys' movements are exactly the same. You don't realize you're consciously doing it, but you guys subconsciously do it because you you guys like each other, respect each other, and you want to give each other a comfortable feeling. The short answer made it really long for you on this transparency thing and whether or not it helps. Other people accidentally open up because you gave them permission to be imperfect by showing how imperfect you are. Mm. And the fact that you, it's like the good comedians, the ones that make fun of themselves first and deprecate themselves before they go attack uh, a lesser community. I mean, Joel Rogan does a great job of it on one of his stand-up things where he's talking about how much he loves his daughters and how stupid and how weak he is. And then he, he, I've heard him talk about this too, because I, when I was listening, it's like, man, you've took it to a place that you shouldn't be able to go. You know, like you think about the great comedians like George Carlin, the Richard Pryors, 
the great storytellers, the, even the C.K. Lewis's, uh, the great storytellers are telling you the most, if taken out of context, the most racist, the most insensitive thing you've ever heard in your life, you should be like throwing stones at them. And instead you find yourself laughing along because they took you on a process to let you know like, it's okay, we're all stupid. It's like, okay, I, I get what you're saying, you're insensitive, but it's funny because, yeah, you think about it that way, it's, it's funny. Mm -hmm. um, that, is, that is another way of socially creating that transparency because if you go see a good comedian and you, you hear these jokes, and you're going to be talking a little more openly and candidly. I guess the biggest thing I suggest for life and for business is get to a safe place where you can mirror and be walls down as fast as possible. That idea of radical transparency is the faster you get there, the faster chance you have of building a real valuable relationship. Mm -hmm. So you've done a really, it sounds like a good job of surrounding yourself with the core people who will be that mirror for you. <laughs> Thank God I have a great wife for that. Yeah. I mean, seriously, we she we joke and she thinks like sometimes I'm hard on her. I'm like, I'm serious. Like, who else is gonna tell it to me straight? I don't I don't need you to tell me things that make me feel better. Mm -hmm. You know, just to appease me. I need you to tell me things that makes me want to be better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, we can all agree uh, after the listeners listen to this podcast that we could talk for hours with Chris. Um, I think I think your calling is a philosopher. <laughs> You you love to talk about ideas. Well, Dr. Roder here is also for fault for that. Yeah, she's she's, she's still here. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh she's wow, she's one of my greatest mentors. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she was phenomenal for inspiring me. I think. Yeah, yeah, Dr. Roder is phenomenal, and uh, it, it's been so much fun. Absolutely. You know, I I am going to wrap it up just for the sake of time. Um, something I like to do is process the process, and I think that for sake of time, we'll just do a word. So I'm just going to ask each of you to give me one word that sort of helps you articulate what this experience has been like for you today. Without explanation? Exactly. <laughs> Grayscale. Grayscale. Yeah, I mean, I think the idea being that a lot of the things we've hold, there's not a wrong or a right, a black or a white, or there's, <laughs> it's a grayscale. You're yeah. somewhere in between. Yeah. And that part of the joy and difficulty of life is holding both of those things in tension mm. all the time. Work, life, professional, relationship, all of it. Um, anyway, yeah, I've exceeded that. Well, that, <laughs> that actually inspired my word now, and is also from Ray Dalio, uh, this book of principles, and it's the idea of meritocracy. Meritocracy is uh, you know something I love and breathe, and I, I talked to... Uh, spitty about it as well with the best idea wins it's not the most popular it's not the most vocal it's not you know it's what is the best for this scenario this situation and if we can all get on board with that we're going to be a lot better off quicker and faster together and the word again is meritocracy meritocracy so my word is provocative mm. every time i have a conversation <laughs> with chris I just think you are so provocative. Um, and to me, provocative means willing to go where other people aren't willing to go. 
Yeah, I forget that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if you want to uh, connect with Chris, I think that he has multiple platforms that you can do so. Do you want to share the, the easiest and best ways? Man, it's, it really is hard to get a hold of me. I'm not going to lie. Um, it all depends on how adamant you are and want to talk to me. So, um, I mean, check out Ronan Branding, right? Yeah. So it's ronanbranding.com. Dot, dot yeah. And then you have a space called the Co-Laboratory. Yeah. And you also have a new space where you do all of your branding. Yeah. I mean, that we call um, it, so the collaborators moved the location, but the concept's the same. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if this conversation inspired something in you where you want to reach out to Chris from Ronan Branding, check out his website. This has been episode three of Innovate and Create. Until next time, have a fabulous week. <laughs>